What's up, y'all? Once again, it's your boy B-Side. In this episode, I had the pleasure of sitting with one of my great friends, Kurt Williamson, co-owner of Holland West Productions. He's done work with names such as Beyonce, the Obamas, Hillary Clinton, just to name a few. So in this episode, we're gonna talk about how all this started from a letter he received from Arsenio Hall, his journeys throughout college, moving to New York, and developing a community of friends. And you will learn that the value of support will catapult you into you living out your dreams. For more videos, hit the subscription button. If you like what you see, hit the thumbs up, hit the notification. But without further ado, let's get to the video. Welcome to another episode, episode three of the B-Side. Remix your song and live out your dreams. So this brother I got on, we go way, way back, way back all the way to college. Uh, this brother was my best man at my wedding. This brother is the godfather of my daughter. This brother is uh, behind the Beyonce Netflix show. This brother done work with Hillary Clinton, Clorox, Chevy, Nike. Uh, I said Netflix already. Kevin Durant worked with Tiana Taylor, Joe Biden, and uh, man, the list just goes on, man. So, without further ado, I want to introduce my brother from another mother, Kurt Wilson. Hey, man, it's a pleasure to be on. Hey, man, it's a pleasure to have you. I got you on, man, because I've seen your journey, you know, throughout our adventures. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you've definitely been inspiration to me. And, you know, you are one of many of the inspirations as to why I'm going back to the things that I'm passionate about and going back to the things uh, that I love doing. But uh, before we get into that, man, how are things going with you, man? Everything's good, man. I'm happy to be uh, in Chicago right now with, you know, quarantining right now before I see my family. So we like hold up in an undisclosed location. And uh, <laughs> man, you sound like you snitched on somebody, man. <laughs> hey, what, what what's that? It's uh, some Hudson whiskey. Hudson and, whiskey. Uh, yeah, it's from New York. Uh, okay. It's pretty good. It's tasty. You know, I would okay. try. I was going to go for Uncle Nears, but that kind of tears me down a little bit. Well, I guess I'm going to be torn down <laughs> because I got Uncle Nears 100 proof. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, let me do something a little easier. But cheers to that. But, uh. You got the ice. I got this straight. straight oh, ice. yeah. I'm... Keep cheers. Cheers. Just. There you are. Tire. Uh, is it like smooth? Um, like what's, what's the difference between that and well, based off like of your smooth. reaction, look like it just, man, it's like smooth. It's got like a chocolate, you know, it's, it's, it's tight. It's a bourbon, right? Bright lights, big bourbon. Hudson whiskey. Okay. Yeah. You can get that out here. Uh, yeah, I got it out here in Oak Park. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty tight. It's, uh, it's only 46% alcohol. Yeah, you got a wine cooler, dude. Hey, it's smooth. 
Well, if it's 46, prove it. <laughs> I, mean, I hope it's smooth. <laughs> so you drinking on pancake syrup. <laughs> Ooh, this would be banging with some pancakes. Shout outs to your moms, man, who turned was 75. 75. 75. The diamond year. Man. So, um, yo, me and Kurt, we go way back, man. And his family has been like my family. Uh, his mom was like a surrogate mom to me, you know, at times where, you know, Kurt and I would just hit the road and go out partying and clubbing and we make it back to his crib and I was too inebriated to drive back home. I mean, she'd give me a place to stay and I stay overnight, have breakfast or whatever. And shout out to Mrs. Williamson. You yeah, know, man. I like Nicole and Tori. So, yeah. Uh, those are the girls. They held me down. Yeah. So, you actually go back. You actually knew uh, my wife before I knew you. So, y'all go back to what? High school? High school. Maybe Nicole can come and tell her. Why don't you come tell us <laughs> how. <laughs> How did all this start, man? I mean, you know, I went through all the accolades, you know, MTV, you got your own business, your own production business, and you know, you're pretty much the real deal out there, man. Uh, you, you're, yeah. you're the real deal. These, these ain't no, you know, these clients ain't no clients from, from down the street or anything. These are, these are clients <laughs> like the real deal, actual celebrities and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where, where did all this start, man? I mean, I think it all started, um, like I was always into the arts and everything. Uh, my mom, she taught at the school that I went to. So that was a lot of pressure. So, uh, you know, pressure to be good. And, you know, you the teachers, one of the teachers, student um, kids. So you had to do your best. So, um, but my mom, she used to uh, direct all the plays mm. at school. And uh, we went to Metcalf. I did not know that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know that. So at first, you know, like I was, uh, she did Aesop's Fables and all these different plays, and she would do she would do spins on plays where it would be like they would have like R and B stars and like pop stars like pop up in the middle of a um, and do a song in the middle of the play. So like I remember one cat, he was Houdini, he did Wild Wild West, and then. One time I was like, um, Lionel Richie and I had to do dancing on the ceiling. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like I was in like first grade when this happened. <laughs> wow. All right. So you did so your she, Lionel Richie impersonation. Yeah. And... She was always in the arts and stuff. And I kind of like took on to it because I like drawing and everything. So um, fast forward to, um, you know, we lived on the South Side. Then we moved to um, the suburbs, moved to South Holland, and that's where we met. Um, that's where I went to Thornwood High School, and most of our friends today, including Nicole, were at Thornwood. And um, there was a, a teacher, um, me and Marlon, we were in this radio TV class. Mm. In radio TV, well, I'll go, I'll go a little bit before that. I, I forgot I told the story once about um how i wanted to get into television so um in sixth grade um they made us make like some kind of art piece about like who we wanted to be when we grew up mm -hmm. 
And at the time, Arsenio Hall was on TV and he was cold. And I was like, yo, I'm going to be like Arsenio. And so I drew this like life-size picture of me in a tuxedo. And <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be a TV host. And so, mm. <laughs> and, so uh, and then I went so far as to like write a letter to Arsenio. Mm. And he wrote me back. He, he gave me a glossy and then he had the silver pen. And he was like, follow your dream, something, Kurt. And I kept it. I kept that forever. It's still at my mom's house somewhere. And uh, you gotta find that man. Yeah, I'll find it. You gotta find it and put it on your wall somewhere. Yeah, yeah. that's that started everything because I was Ooh. like, this came straight from Hollywood, mm. and you know, this is the kind of person I want to be because he like he was black, you know, he was a TV host. He was he had his own show, and I was like, I want to do everything he's doing, and. um so I kept, you know, kept with that. And then when I got into high school, I was on the speech team, you know, and then um, I was doing drama and all that. And then uh, radio TV was like my favorite class. They had this radio TV class. Mm -hmm. And so the radio TV class, we had, we did a lot of radio type shows and stuff. And I'll make like a tape. And uh, I remember uh, we, uh, we had this thing called Video Toaster. <laughs> and the video, okay. it was like an editing system or something like that. Marlon was really good at video toast. I wasn't that good, but I remember like one of my favorite moments. Um, I remember Crooklyn that came out and the Crooklyn Dodgers song came out and I did some kind of like commercial with the Crooklyn Dodgers, uh, that buckshot and all in that, that song. What? And, uh, I had like the instrumental going in the back and I was oh. doing and wow. I was like, this is that was that was all I wanted to do was radio TV. And um next thing you know, came down to Western, uh, was a communications major and uh did broadcast communication, broadcast journalism, was with you on the radio on um, WI. And, and and we pledged uh Zeta Gents together. Oh man. <laughs> I wanna talk about them tuck ins, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so, so Zeta Gents is um, sorority Zeta Phi Beta, and they had kind of like how the Kappas had a Kappa Sweethearts, and the Alphas had the Alpha, whatever they call them, Alpha Sweethearts. Yeah. So the Zetas had the male version of that, which was the Zeta Gents. And so we did a fundraiser called the Tuck-Ins, and basically we'll... We'll have girls sign up on a list and they pay us some money. And uh, <laughs> what? It sounds so illegal. Oh, it does. It it's, totally sounds like a, um, an escort service. It's totally like sounds like <laughs> waiting to happen. Yeah, man. Um, and so we would go tuck them in. And uh, I remember if we all had a profile picture. <laughs> oh, man. And I had my profile picture. I was laying down like, like that. <laughs> and uh, I don't think I did any of my tuck-ins because all the girls that signed up, I, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't feeling them. Yeah, I, was really, I, think, I really I wanted to use it just for a certain purpose. But yeah. I never, I ne they paid our money. They paid, they paid the money, but I never, I never went and did the tuck-in. Yeah, I feel like I did one, if any, I did one. I don't remember who it was. Oh, yeah, how they went. Yeah. I don't, and then I, I don't know what happened. I think we ended up just 
kind of leaving the group or leaving yeah, the organization. We got put out. I think so. I think, I think I le- yeah, I left because I just wasn't feeling, you know, any of the sororities or any fraternities. And I just left. And I heard y'all got booted out of the Zeta gents. Yeah, I got booted out of that. I got booted out of um, Black Student Association. You got booted out of BSA? But the reason I got put out of BSA kind of led me to who I am today. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. BSA, Black Student Association, uh, for what I remember, it was an organization at Western Illinois University for you know African-American um, students, and we'll do events. Walk us through that. So BSA, like, somehow I became the vice president. I don't know how that happened. I was like, this is dope. You know, I was like, man, I'm about to be like, Young Barack, and then Barack wasn't around yet. But um, so anyway, I used to be the concert chair chair for uh, University Union Board. And so we would bring down concerts, um, comedians, all types of cool experiences and everything. And somehow I think that kind of got me into being like the VP over at BSA. And so I had like Common come down. Common, the executioners, Rozell. I helped um, um, Bill Cosby come down. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sure, he had some tuck ins. And Kid Capri, a lot of cool stuff, man. I remember that Kid Capri. That yeah. was dope. So that I'm was like, dope. Yeah, I was like, man, you know, doing it, doing it, you know, and bringing the people down. So anyway, I, I'm doing this um, BSA thing, going to the meetings. And they, all, they always be heated. I don't know why. I remember that. That's why I left BSA. It was one big Jerry Springer show. It was just always, yeah, it was always this drama. For. It's only like always Jerry drama. <laughs> and that's why I, cause I was at BSA. I think I was head of something and I'm like, yeah, this is too hood for me. I can't do this. Yeah. But the reason I got kicked out was, um, one of the bigger concerts I brought down was, um, the MTV campus invasion tour. And so the, um, I did it my junior year and then I ended up doing my senior year too. So the first year, junior year, they had like uh, Garbage, which was a cold group. They had a super cold group. Uh, alternative and, band, right? Yeah, alternative. Yep. And, and uh, Eve Six, and they were cold at the time too. Mm-hmm. And then they had real world auditions, all of these cool things happening on, on the campus, video games. They just took over the campus. So it went well. And then I got like the side eye because they were like, how you bringing all these white artists down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you I remember could be, that. Like, bringing like Puffy or somebody down, you know, you spending all this money, all the, the university's money on all these white artists. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, you know, I, I'm not going to say I had a, a scheme, but I was like, hey, this is a big thing that we're bringing down here. And our school is small. It's only 10,000 people down here. That was when you, um, you brought in Third Eye Blind, right? Third Up Line was like the second one. And so right. the second one, um, Third Up Line, I can't remember the other band, but um, yeah, and they were like, oh, he did it again. You know, so they were like, oh, we gotta let you go. So I got fired. Hey, and, and, and I will tell you, I was one of those haters, man. I had left BSA at the time and I saw you were at the union and you were passing out flyers. And I think you had other people passing out flyers for Third Eye Blind. And they all black, by the way. Hey, Third Eye Blind, dog. No crucial conflict. 
No common. No roots. Third eye blind. Hey, third eye blind, dog. Hey, hey third eye blind. Cool, though. Let's do some third eye blind, man. What's, what's it doing? But, so uh, the second time they came down, MTV came. First of all, like, that's a huge thing for, you know, MTV to come down to Western. Mm-hmm. You know, like our little school. So they came a second time and they said, hey, we want to bring a TV crew. We was, I was like, oh, snap. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I, I do the T, I work on um, the broadcast news. I produce it. I'm a, uh, I was a weatherman on it or something like that. And I'm doing a radio show. I was like, y'all bring the TV people down. I was like, this is my chance. It's my chance to, you know, ask them what's up and see if I can get in. And lo and behold, you know, they came down. They brought a host, Dave Holmes. And, um, you know, I'm talking to him. I'm driving the, the producers around and stuff. They're like, what do you do here? I was like, oh, I do this, do this, do that. I DJ the parties, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you want to come out for an internship? I was like, sure. And I was like, that's exactly what I was trying to get to. <laughs> so, and so um, they were like, yo, you should come out. We're going to hook you up with the intern coordinator. And um, and it was like, I had a whole semester to go or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so all I did was hound the intern coordinator every day, every day. And she already knew I was going to get the job anyway, but I just kept going. And so I was just calling her. I was like, yo, how, your, how was your day today? And I was like, just talking to her about nothing. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, you kind of got it. And I was like, <laughs> like you, you could just stop. <laughs> yeah, but I was just scared. I was like, oh, I got to get it. And um, yeah, then I got um, got that internship. But before that, I worked at WGN, uh, which was an amazing inter- internship, too. And they only took like two people at a time. Um, and one, you know, so I was the only one from our school that did that. And um, I got to work with Robert Jordan, uh, who was like the big anchor at the time. And um, I got to work with him, write his stories and go out with him and then shoot my own story after that. Mm. And then I got to um, work on the Bulls and the Cubs games and mm. do like the replay and everything. So I was kind of like leaning toward WGN for like my whole future. Mm. Like, I was like, this is where I want to be. I want to work there. I want to live here. But MTV was kind of like a pie in the sky thing. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, if I get it, it's going to be crazy. Right. And, um, yeah, I, I did my time at WGN and then it was time to go to MTV. I was like, all right, do another internship. And then after that, I ended up working there. I got the internship, did my internship, finished it, worked, ended up working there for nine years. So I want to go back to that incident with third eye blind and, and, and bringing all those alternative bands to black folks. Um, no, you know, I, I look back, no, I look back at that and what I see looking back now, you saw the big picture and you stepped out of the box. You know what I'm saying? Like we were kind of a small one, many of us at WIU. And so Huh? I think there was only like 400 black kids. It it was that's very low percentage. And so having uh, uh, black bands and and entertainment was few far in between. And then by you coming in with bands that, you know, quote unquote, we weren't accustomed to, 
you know, a lot of folks kind of gave it a side eye. But what I admired, you know, as time went on, not at the time, as time went on, I admired that you saw the big picture. You went outside of the box. You There wasn't a scheme to it because, I mean, me and you are, are, are music fanatics. So music is music, end of the day. So it, it doesn't matter if you black, white, green, purple, whatever. Music is music. So there's that aspect. But you saw the big picture, man. You did not stay in that box that was expected to just stay in that box of, you know, what's expected. You saw the big picture, so you went outside of the box. And so that's the thing that I admired, man. I mean, and I think that's, as you tell us more about your journey, I want to just kind of point that out, man. And uh, also to my listeners is that, you know, your success doesn't always equate to staying in the box. If you want to be successful, you got to be willing to go outside the box. You got to be willing to go outside of your comfort zone, outside of the comfort zone of say, whatever, what your nine to five is or what uh, you're used to seeing in your family, in your community, you have to be willing to go outside of the box. You have to be willing to uh, go outside of your comfort zone. So I definitely wanted to, you know, point that out. So we, we talk about, and, and <laughs> it made me think about one of the concerts you have. You know, I'm going to bring this up too. Um, so <laughs> Kurt had a concert. I think it was Rozelle or Common. Rozelle, yeah, Common, he, and the Executioner. Yes, yes. Rozelle, Common, the Executioner that he brought to WIU for a concert. And Kurt was the MC. Big crowd of everybody. And here come Kurt Williamson. I'm looking at this dude like, yo, this, he, he's the man at Weston. Like, look at this man. He's out here introducing the next artist, getting the crowd hyped up. Got the crowd, <laughs> got, the, got the crowd hyped up. All right. Here come Rozelle to the stage. Common. Common. Here yeah. comes Common to the stage. Kurt walks out. Common's on his way out to the stage. And Kurt falls off and trips over some speaker. <laughs> Wait, Brad, you got to know the preparation that went into this. So I went home. <laughs> to get an outfit. I went home to get it out. I went all the way back to Chicago to get an outfit to rock to this <laughs> concert. And I went to I went to Belvedere Blues. I got all this echo. I had Echo vests, cargos, shirt, everything was dripping. I was like, "Oh man, I'm about to kill him!" And I, and that day on the stage, you know, because we watched like Def Comedy Jam and all that. I must have used so many curse words. Y'all ready? Get your fucking hands up! All that stuff. Yeah, I was doing saying stuff I had never said before, and I tripped. <laughs> Oh man! Right before comment. That was hilarious. So moving forward, we are going to MTV, and I know when you you moved to New York, mm-hmm. and I think you lived on NYU campus. Is that right? Yep. You're not making no money. None. So how do you maintain? How did you maintain that? You you, you maintain having that internship, not making no money. How did you maintain? How did you keep it going? And uh, it's New York at that. New York. 
in New York. New York ain't cheap. It will not cheap. You in it's still expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my mother, my parents would send me. I would just call them for money all the time. So I'd be like, "Yo, can y'all send a hundred dollars so I could get through the week?" And at the time, you know, a hundred dollars for a week—that's a lot of money. That's a lot. That lasts you just a day. Yeah, but New York, it just goes away. So. Luckily, they had set me up at um, my intern coordinator. She said, said, hey, you can stay at the NYU dorms. And um, the dorms were like 3500 for the whole summer. So you get from like uh, May, June to like September or something like that. And so um, <clears throat> I stayed in this dorm. The dorm was dope. And it was in the middle of like on West 4th. You know, it was in the middle of everything. Downtown kind of or no village area. And so um, basically, yeah, I would ask for this money. They sent me a whole bunch of canned goods. I had a hot plate and I had like, you know, Hormel chili is off the chain in the can. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so good. That is so disgusting. Hormel chili is dog the food. Yeah, I had chicken soup, Hormel ch- chili. But then I had a meal plan. And so the NYU meal plan, I could get breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but I was working at MTV, so I didn't have time to get any of that stuff. So in the morning, I put on my do-rag, I go to the uh, cafe. It's like you back in school, man. <laughs> I go to the cafe, and I like the kids in there, it was like a few black kids that were going to NYU, and they were cool. And so they were like, who are you, man? And I was like, yeah, I don't even go to the school. But they ended up becoming like friends, like I still know today. And um, I would get my breakfast because it was free. And then I would run in my do-rag to the to the train, take it to MTV, take my do-rag off, work, 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 work. And then I wouldn't get home till probably like 9, 10 at night. Man, those were some fun days, man, when you, you worked at MTV. And I think eventually, you know, you ended up getting your own place. <clears throat> but I know that when we went out there, what was so crazy is you would always talk about how you wouldn't have no money, but what what was so fascinating about New Yorkers, y'all would talk, you know, y'all would always grind and hustle, and y'all would always talk about how you had no money, but somehow, someways, if someone say, hey, someone got a party at such and such and such, mysteriously, y'all come up with some way to buy drinks. Like, I, I don't know how y'all do that. I don't know how y'all, man, like I ain't got no money. I ain't got. I remember I came out there and your refrigerator was broke or something. Um, and uh, I I know there were times like you know you were just you know and, and, and a lot of y'all you know y'all was just kind of hustling didn't have much money but somehow some way y'all had the freshest gear and y'all will find a way to kick it at somebody's club or somebody's party. Man, I I, I had some great times out there. Great times out there. Yeah, it was the best of times, man. I can um I can always say, you know, if anything happened, I had a good time. Like, you know, like I feel like I lived like five lives already. Uh that was the music room. So all the artists who used to come in there and preview their music and like um they would uh yeah, play new tunes for us and stuff. Hey, so you remember this? Yeah, APT. APT. That was the same night. I think you were still, were you at MTV at this time? Yeah, I was still there. You was, you were still at MTV. 
And that was the same night that I got so drunk that I left my coat. No, 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 no. Someone stole my coat. That's what happened. Someone yeah. stole my coat from the coat room. And I just got so drunk. I remember passing out in your elevator and going to your room. And I know you had to wake up like two hours later for work or something. <laughs> and I passed That's out. I wake up and you getting ready to leave for where you got some weird turban on your head or something like that. And that's another thing about you New Yorkers, man, y'all don't sleep. Y'all can two hours of sleep is like eight hours of sleep for y'all. Yeah. Like I, 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 I was just, it was so crazy, but, uh, man, I, I had some great times out there, man. So you left MTV. So what happened from MTV and then what was next after that? Um, so MTV was, I feel like MTV just never stops because like MTV set up everything as far as like connections. And it was just like that, you know, I still work in still like some of my best friends are people from MTV and it's like, we never left the building. Mm -hmm. But, um, after MTV, I had, um, I came up with the show with my boy, uh, Randolph Stirrup, and it was called Harlem Heights while we were at MTV. Mm-hmm. He was working at MTV. I was working there. We pitched it to MTV. They passed on it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, now I was like, actually, we pitched, we wanted to pitch the BET the whole time. And we pitched all these other places and we pitched the BET. At first, they passed on it. And then they were like, yeah, that show y'all got. And um, then they picked it up. And so that was kind of like the breakout from you know being uh you know just an mtv vet to like all right i'm gonna start this company i started my company called kurtworks mm-hmm. and you know created the show you know and it was about all of my friends in harlem and like the stuff that we were going through out there and i was like you know that was kind of like just a breakout moment you know making my you know having a lawyer and making deals and mm. getting these these amazing checks at the time, I was just like, this is crazy. So, um, and, and having our own show on the air, that was like, that's that's amazing. I was 28. I remember that, that premiere, man, that uh, premiere party. And uh, I got some pictures. I was tore up. No, that's, that, that was, were you? I couldn't tell. Man, I was so tore up the whole time. I couldn't I tell, man. I even got there. Cause I got nervous cause they like this cast was on 106 in part before I got there. And I was like, this is too much. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. That was at the Apollo. So the premiere of it, I don't remember. Cause I was kind of drunk too. I don't remember if they played the whole, sh- a whole full episode or not, but yeah. I just remember I was at the Apollo. That was my first and only time at the Apollo. Which, by the way, is much, much smaller than it appears when you watch TV. <laughs> I remember Mr. C was, uh, he was DJing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, D-Nice did the after party. He sure did. He sure did. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, man. So for those yeah. of you who may have recognized this brother over on the right, uh, he is uh in some commercials and what else is he doing kurt uh he did the open for last season for um 
when the the NBA was in a bubble, uh, he did the open for that for Beyonce, you know, um, something Black as King. Um, that was crazy. What else is he in? He's in uh, our new film, my, my film that's in um, diversity in Cannes right now called uh, mm. Four Seasons. Um, he was in the MLK um, uh, doc- documentary by Kudi and Chike that won the NAACP award. Oh, man, man, Troy, Dave. Yeah. Dang. So, so Dave is currently, is this, this is like a news network, The Griot, right? He founded The Griot. Founded The Griot. So there's a reason why I wanted to post these and I, I wish there was more I could have posted. But the other thing that I noticed, again, just looking back in perspective, in your journey is the associations of the folks that you knew, the relationships with people that you knew, the friendships that you've had. And what I see for the most part is a lot of you have expanded just like how you have. And I just noticed the power. And and the reason why I pointed that out is the importance of relationships. It seems like all of you had that in common because all of you all were hustling just like you were. I remember Dave, who I just pointed out, who is the founder of the Grio. I remember when there was one visit that I had in New York and I think he was sleeping on people's couches. I think he stayed with you, like slept on the couch. Yeah, man, slept on people's couches and things like that. And it's like all of y'all, it's kind of like, I think it was like George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and those guys together, when they were coming up, you know what I'm saying? They were coming up struggling and, and hustling, things like that. And they are where they are right now. And it seems very parallel to, you know, what's going on with you and your folks, man. So when I see that, man, it's so important to have relationships, man, like uh, uh, healthy relationships. And what I mean by healthy relationships is folks that, because I, I would imagine when y'all were hustling and doing y'all thing, trying to come up in your own endeavors, I'd imagine that in some kind of way, y'all supported one another. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and that is so important, man, to just have those relationships and not just people you just drink with. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's great to have someone you drink with. But when it comes to success and you want to grow in your career, you want those relationships that are good for you, man people that support you, people that challenge you, man, people that will be there for you when you drop dead broke. You know what I'm saying? Not when you just successful, but when you broke and they just like, yo, let's pick yourself. You need to, you need to pick your head up, man. Let's, let's do this. So I wonder as a reason why I put those pictures out there, because it's crazy, man, as I was going through pictures and like, yo, I want to highlight some pictures of curtain, this and that. After all these years, I noticed that like, those, you know, network of people, and I'm only highlighting the people that I knew, and I'm sure there's a whole lot more, those networks of people just kind of interconnected and you all just kind of came up all at the same time and y'all still cool to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we um, we definitely supported each other. Like, you know, when Dave, um, he was making, um, meeting David Wilson, that was his like breakout moment. And I remember that. Yes. Yes. Documentary. uh, I think it was on NBC or something like that. And he gave, he was just like, I'm giving up my apartment. 
I'm 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 just gonna stay wherever I'm gonna stay, and I'm just gonna make this happen. And so yeah, he ended up on my couch. He was on my friend Barry's couch. Like mm. moved around until he. And then next thing you know, he's like, now he lives in Belize, and not Belize. He lives in Brazil. What? So, he lives yeah, in Brazil. He's yeah, he's chilling. I thought so, he still lived like in that. In Brooklyn, you know, that big condo in Brooklyn. He lives nah, in Brazil. He lives in Brazil. Wow, man! Yeah. Shout out to Dave. Man, I gotta get you on my show too. I wish I had all y'all. I think I'm gonna have a sequel. My sequel is I'm gonna have all y'all, all at that once, was man. Cool. Man, but we all like you know when somebody won, everybody won. Man, I love that. And I love that. That was a cool thing. Like, there were times like you know at first it was kind of like a rolling bank. You know, whoever had some money, we'd be like, yo, let me get let me get two hundred, man. Let me get five hundred. It's really bad. I need a thousand. Like we just be like hitting each other up for stuff. Man. And uh, but ahead. you know, we always pay each other back. Or like mm. I remember Dave and Barion when they got the Grio and they got this money and stuff, and I was just like, Oh man, can y'all just take me to G Star and give me a coat? And he got me <laughs> so, like, so like and then another friend of ours Yasmin you know Yasmin was like the bank we were very irresponsible with money because we would get it and then it would go and then we'd drink and we'd eat and we'd buy clothes and all this stuff so we were just always just being stupid so I remember my friend I don't know if, whatever but yeah Yasmin I, she was like my partner at work and um she, I was like, yo, you like the bank because she never spent any money. And I was like, I, you know, I go through all my money during the week and I'll be like, you know, I'm gonna get paid next week. So, you know, so like, <laughs> let me borrow this money. So, it was just like a rolling bank. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we always just support each other. But, you know, not just by money, but by like work, mm. you know, like when the Grio happened. I ended up doing a story for the Grio, these video stories with like John Legend, Misty Copeland, uh, Swiss Beats, like all this cool stuff, you know, stuff that went on my reel. Or, you know, uh, my friend Marion, he was, um, yeah, he had the Grio. And now um, I was up for a job in DC at a nonprofit uh, in politics, kind of. And, you know, I couldn't go to DC. So I was like, hit Marion. Now he's been working out there for like two mm. two years or three wow. years now, and he's he's killing it. He's like wow. creative director, you know. And this and he'll come back and be like, "All right, Kurt, I'm gonna hire y'all company to do some work for us." Wow. So it's just like that's that's what it's all about, you know. That's what you know being friends and grinding together is all about because you know you can trust these people. Yeah. And, yes. And and it feels good to be able to give back you know, from mm. the people you borrowed from and helped you out, you know, be able to give back and just keep it, keep it going like that's a cycle. That is, I did not know that. I, I, I mean, not in that detail, but uh, I kind of knew and felt that y'all had a sense of support. And man, that is like inspiring, man. It, it, especially for, you know, especially for our community, man. You know, yeah. we got to support one another. You know what I'm saying? We can't be a crabs in a barrel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I hear your story, Kurt, I think about how you have certain, you know, you see certain ethnic communities 
where they have their own businesses and then things like that. And the dollar circulates multiple times over in that community, which makes it prosperous. And right. we need to do that, man. We need to do that as a people, man. We need to come together. We need to first be trustworthy. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And not only in terms of money, you know, if you don't have the money to support, you know, this brother or this sister within your camp, at least support them in terms of encouragement or mm -hmm. emotional support. You know, somebody might be discouraged and down or whatever, like, man, forget this. You know, I ain't going to do it. You know, if you ain't got no money or whatever, you could just be like, hey, you know what? You got this. Let's do this. Let, hey, let me take you out for lunch. Let me take you out for some drinks. I ain't got no money for, I only got enough money for one drink, but we can buy one drink and split it between two cups, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? So I, I just think... This. It's not transactional, you know, it's not like, you know, just because, you know, we're of the same kind, we help each other out business wise and stuff like that. It's like, but when we come together on business, it's a party. Right. And that's that's the most important thing, because, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, you work a job or something like that. You're not going to really get along with everybody at the job unless you've been with them for years. Right. But a lot of times, you know, especially in production, you're working with like whole new crews, all these different people and all that stuff. And, you know, some people may not rub you the right way and things might not work out and it might be very stressful. So when we actually come together, like me and Jay Ivy are working on something is going to be fun. We're going to have the best time of our lives and we're going to kick it after. And, and we're going to make something that like we, we appreciate, we all trust each other on and it's going to, the product comes out better. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what the joy is. It's not just, you know, passing the money around. Right. It's like being able to work with your friends and be able to fellowship with your friends right? and, and, and then make something even greater because you with your family. So like, exactly. it makes sense. And like crabs in the barrel just doesn't make sense at all. Does not. We're all, fam all. We're all family. So we're like, all family. Why, why are we doing this? Like who cares about who's bigger than other, mm. you know, who cares? Like have fun together. Like that's what we're supposed to do. And, and why feel threatened over that other person that got something that you're trying to get? You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, it'll all reciprocate. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I just, that's powerful, man. So on, so on the flip side of that, I'm sure you had your share of haters as well. <laughs> I'm sure you had your share of folks that has disappointed you to say the least. Oh yeah. So let's talk about that. Man, I don't even know where to start on that. The thing was like, I always knew at the end of the day or, you know, at the core, like, I'm pretty good at what I do. So you can say you don't like it or you don't like me or you don't like our work or my work, but I know people do and I know I'm good. So I'm not going to let you, you know, whatever you're saying is kind of like, all right, whatever. Somebody else is going to hear this and somebody probably way more important, way more successful is going to hear it. So um, I felt I'm not going to say that about New York, but I'll say that about like a lot of clients that we had in New York. Um, some clients um, kind of run their course after a while, you know, it's just like, 
y'all getting a little too familiar and you kind of like not letting us get to the second level or the next level of what we should be doing. You know, we're way more capable. We're a full service production company and we are way more capable of handling super high end work. And sometimes, you know, people will get the picture and then some people want to keep us in a certain box and just say like, oh, Kurt know how to pick up a camera and shoot. You know, like I, I, I haven't shot anything in so long. I only shoot things for fun, like for, you know, you know, me and my wife, we shoot some things together and stuff like that. Like, so, um, and um, what I'm getting at is that um, how I kind of helped elevate our game was getting into politics. Um, and so the Hillary Clinton thing came around. That was through like an MTV connection. And I went in, interviewed. Um, I remember my wife helped me write my like manifesto or whatever. Mm. Say how I wanted to work there. I didn't know that. Yeah. Shout out to Candace. Shout out to yeah. Mrs. Williamson. Shout it, out that, to that you. Was a huge sacrifice because at the time, uh, Holland West, our company was doing okay. We're doing okay, but I was just like, I think we hit that that wall of where like, you know, we got these haters saying we can't do stuff and we're only making a certain amount of money. And I was like, this ain't, this ain't it. You know, I got to do something different. I don't know what it is. I was like, do I have to go in house? Do I got to work somewhere? Like what I got to do? But I knew politics was like um, something I always wanted to get into. It's kind of like, you know, different frontier like i want to go space you know i want to work with barack obama i want to do this i want to do that so i was like let me go for it so like yeah it kind of it was something i i i wanted and projected to do a long time ago i wanted to work on barack obama's campaign and um that didn't come through and it wasn't paying enough and then um yeah this hillary clinton thing came and i was just like you know this is it you know i was like i know it's a big pay cut I'm not going to get much, but what I'm going to do is be able to expand my um, database of people and expand the people I work with and just get into different situations. Even after uh, Hillary lost, that next day they were like, hey, where do y'all want to work? And I was like, what? You know, it's like, you know, does anybody want to go to Apple? Anybody want to go to SpaceX? Anybody want to go to Google? I was like, what? I was like, this is how it goes? This is what happens? Mm. I was like, whoa, this is nuts. So I was, they came to me. I was like, where do you want to work? And I was like, man, I want to work with the Obamas, man, because they building like in the library in Chicago, mm-hmm. they doing stuff. I, I want to work with them. Mm-hmm. And I just put it out there. I ended up working on like my brother's keeper. And um, the next thing you know, like all of these different things started popping up, mm. you know, like gigs, like, um, projects in education, nonprofits, mm. um, shoot, economics. Uh, it was it was nuts. It was just crazy. And then all the different candidates that would come up, mm. you know, so, um, you know, I worked for, with everybody and, um, and now, you know, led up to me being creative director on When We All Vote for Michelle Obama, which is like, who would have ever thought, you know, that's crazy. It, I mean, the only thing, sad thing about it is, you know, we I've been doing this in a pandemic where I, I haven't been like up close and personal with, you know, first lady and all these people and all these stars that we work with, but 
you know, I did get to do a lot of really important work. And I think, yeah, for all any hater, you know, it was just like tapping into this and working with other people um, just opened my horizons and just just let us know that, you know, the buck doesn't stop there with those haters who want to shut you out. You know, there's a whole world of stuff mm -hmm. out there. Well, what I'm hearing is what's very parallel to that BSA moment, that third eye blind moment. You decided to go into politics, which is something that I don't remember you doing so much. Probably not at wow. all. Yeah, let's just say, I mean, I, you have not done politics at all. And you also said, well, I'm going to take a pay cut. But going back to that third eye blind moment, you saw the big picture. So you took a gamble. You stepped outside of the comfort zone of the type of projects that you were used to doing and you went into politics. It opened the door wide open, very similar to that third eye blind moment. That third eye blind moment opened the door to MTV to where you're at right now. Man, this y'all, you gotta try this Hudson. Whoa. What, 46 proof? I don't care, it's good. man. I'm just proud of you, dude. I, I, I'm just proud Man. of you where, you know, where you came from and just your hustle around MTV and, you know, not having much money. And, um, you know, before we get to the other video, you know, one question that I wanted to ask, were there times that you had doubt? I had doubt all the time. Um, my parents couldn't help me out that much after a while. It was over. Well, I can imagine. You're in New York. I mean, Cut that parents off. got their own bills. They got mortgages. You got a, you know, you, you got your sister and, you, you know, you got your yeah. nephew and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't no silver spoon, man. <laughs> I almost got evicted a few times. Mm, wow. <laughs> I almost got evicted at least like four times. Wow, I didn't know that. You were saying that you had, you know, you had your doubts. You know, you had, oh, yeah. you know, just some finance issues, but I mean, what kept you going? Because a lot of people would be like, you know what? I can't do this, man. I'm, I'm moving back home and I'm gonna just get me a, you know, a secure job or whatever. But what, what kept you going, man? Every time I was approached with a, a secure job, I was like, I can't do it. You know, and it was just like, I got to, I got to make it, you know, it was like, I can't, I can't just say this is it. You know, I was like, I know I got, I thought I had too much talent to just mm. like limit it to, you know, somebody telling me what to do. Mm. And I was like, you know, just limited to like, you know, you got to do this program and you do this and you know, whatever job they wanted to put me at. I was like, nah, man, I can, I can, we can create, I can make something. And I don't know what that is. Um, I think it may have came from my, my grandfather or something like that. He was an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, and I learned a lot about him later on. Um, he, he had an ice cream shop, mm. you know, his family. Ice cream? I'm sorry. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah, ice cream parlor. And he wanted to be like 31 flavors. When I would work somewhere, um, say MTV, I always had this bigger picture in my mind. 
mm-hmm. it was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna meet these people. I'm gonna meet this music manager or whatever, you know, this director or whatever, and I want to parlay it into something else. Or um, I remember I worked at Fuse Network. Uh, Fuse was owned by MSG at the time. It was a music mm-hmm. network. It's still on now. And I was like, I want to work at Fuse. I, I took a job to work there every day. And I had already been outside. Like I'd been outside the corporate world of MTV. And, you know, I loved it. But I was like, I need some camera equipment. So I'm going I'm to work at Fuse and get this camera equipment. So I worked there for a few months, ended up buying our camera equipment that started Holland West. Mm. And then they hired us as a vendor. And so like, I was like, I'd rather be on this side, being a vendor. Somehow you make more money doing that. You know. So the company you worked for ended up hiring you when you had your own business. As, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I did like a year there or something like that. And that's when I met Candace too, while mm. I was working there. You was working at Fuse and that's where you met your Candace wife. Was, yeah, because it was owned by MSG and Candace was uh, in, interviewing for MSG to be an attorney there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where we like, you know, she was inter- interviewing and I met her during lunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, it was, I was like, yo, I'm on my way out and she's on her way in. <laughs> So, that's that's uh, crazy, man. And and I, I want to just kind of focus on that part right there because what's similar to my last guest, he worked a job that he could not stand. He made a lot of money working at CTA, but he could not stand it because his true passion was to be an entrepreneur through real estate and uh, through production, which what he studied for. Mm-hmm. But through fate, he ended up uh, at a train stop when he was working and he met his wife who was so instrumental into his success right now. And so I wanted to kind of bring that home. And then just to say, I have always said this in all of my other episodes, everything works out for a reason. Everything has a means to an end. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, you know, situation that you're in, in terms of where you're working at, whether it is temporary or long-term or whatever, whether you're, you're happy or unsatisfied, underpaid, you know, undervalued, whatever, you know, there is a season for everything because you never know you can meet that person, whether it is a significant other, a business partner or whatever. Um, you just never know. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. You know, you took on that job where it looks like it serves multiple purposes. Number one, it helped fund you getting your camera and investing into your business that you have right now, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you you met your your future baby mama uh, <laughs> at Fuse, man. Yeah, your wonderful wife. Yo, shout out to Candace, man. That's yeah. that's my home girl. Fast forwarding, so you you um, they ended up being a client of yours. You you were at Fuse for two months. You use that money to reinvest into, you know, the big picture, because that's another theme that I'm, I'm hearing from you and your whole story is you're always seeing the big picture. So the moves that you make have a means to an end, the moves that you make, you're seeing the big picture. So you worked there a few, few months, you reinvest into some equipment that you needed for, 
your business and they ended up hiring you? So this, um, I was working on when we all vote and, um, common is one of the ambassadors, um, for when we all vote. So he, he's just been like a champion out there, like getting people to vote, like going state to state in COVID, like he don't care. He's just going in. And, um, um, our, our, um, one of our VPs, um, Stephanie Young, she hit me up and she was like, Hey, Common's got a song on this new album and he wants us to do something with it. And I was like, what? I was like, man, this is crazy. Cause you know, as you know, you know, growing up in Chicago, Common is the, is our hero. Yes, sir. And he was, he was, he was definitely the best MC out of, of Chicago. So like, you know, it was like a dream to even like, first of all, I was like, I'm about to hear something that ain't nobody heard before. I was like, that's crazy. And I get to work with it. That's double crazy. And we in COVID. I was like, we gonna make something happen. So anyway, I hear the song. And it was just like, come up with something for it. And so me and my um, my partner, I worked with uh, Sarah Golzer, who was uh, my partner on uh, creative direction on it. Um, you know, we were listening and uh, Stephanie Young, she was like, yeah, can we use something with like, like pictures from, you know, black history and everything. And I was like, yeah. And then we called up the Smithsonian, the black Smithsonian uh, thing in, in DC and, you know, different photographers. I went out and shot stuff. Um, and then I was like, can we end this all up with um, common on screen? you know, saying like, you know, his, his call out to get out the vote. And, uh, he, at first he didn't want to be in it. And I was like, nah, he got, he got to put a stamp on it. You know, this is his song, you know, this ain't George Michael, like this, we got, we got to go with it and he's got to put a stamp on it and bring that message out. And so the crazy backstory to this is that, uh, we went to the studio, Jim Henson studio, and he was recording uh, his new album. And so that was just crazy to just walk up in there during COVID. And so I brought my camera and everything. And uh, the studio they said we could shoot in was the studio that they did We Are The World In. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, <laughs> I was like where was Michael standing? Oh, wow. Like, so they let us use the studio. I was like, yeah, use whatever you want. I was like, oh, man, we go. And we shoot comment. I was like, this is crazy. So, um, yeah, this was like, it was a fast, you know, we put this together very quickly. But um, our editor, Tim Van Niekirk, he's just ridiculous with it. And um, we just went back and forth really heavy for like a couple weeks. And we put this out. And uh, Michelle, Michelle Obama put this out on her uh, Instagram. Walk us through from when you're doing different gigs, you're working from MT you work in MTV or whatever you're doing at the time, from that point to when you decided to have your own business. Walk us through that. At the time, um, it was hard to, uh, you know, start a business on your own and work by yourself and kind of go through a lot of different things. Like I went through like tax things, you know, legal things and it was just it was just a lot and trying to deal with being creative at the same time so that was tough so um 
I wanted to start the super group of like all the black people I've worked with, you know, in MTV and BET and whatever. And that wasn't working. And I remember Warren Snoop, AKA Snoop, he was saying like, man, you know, why don't you just, you know, if you're always trying to get everybody together, like why not just us just try this out? And so I was just like, shoot, let's try it out. You know, Warren was, um, a, he was in creative direction over at HBO. Mm. Very talented brother. He mm-hmm. went to uh, Savannah. Shout out, shout out to Snoop. Yeah, Snoop. We ain't talking Snoop. about Snoop Dogg. We talking <laughs> about our guy Warren and he goes by Snoop. Yeah, I can't uh, say Warren. It hurts. Ho- hopefully in our <laughs> sequel, if I have, if I can just by the grace of God, miracle of God, I can get y'all, to, if I can just get all of y'all together, I would love to learn the backstory as to how he became the name Snoop. And I oh, feel like yeah. my line of questioning and responses is getting less and less intelligent because I'm on my third drink. But go ahead. Yeah, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I'm at either. <laughs> we, we, we good. We good. I'm having a good time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, me and Snoop, we were cool. Like our friends, Cootie and Chike, they had their company and they were, you know, killing it as directors. And Chike did that 30 for 30 uh that basketball player out of chicago yeah right right benji yeah benji yes 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 again i i I forgot to add him because i had a picture of him in in your um harlem heights uh, Mm -hmm. premiere party uh again just that you know those associations that you had man like all of y'all it's like wu-tang that's that's the that's what come to mind man it's like all of y'all started with 36 chambers. All right, I'm getting drunk now. All of y'all thar- started with <laughs> All of y'all started with 36 oh, chambers. And after the first album, all y'all branched out with all y'all solo records. That's that's the way I picture y'all, man. All right. My bad. Okay. We talking about Snoop. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, Snoop. Snoop went to school with Chike. And yeah, like, you know, a few of us were starting our own things and Snoop was like, yeah, why don't we just do stuff? Because me and Snoop were kind of like on the same page. He helped me develop uh, Harlem Heights and he was doing a lot of creative direction at HBO and like a lot of the promos for the shows, like Six Feet Under and all this stuff and G Garvin show and all this stuff. And um, very talented dude. And he was doing like graphic art at the time. But he went to school for film too. So um, he was just trying to like learn more about cameras and stuff like that. And I was like, I was doing all this camera stuff. And um, we got together, we were showing our reels around to people together and saying like, hey, Snoop does this, I do this. You know, you should hire us as a company. And then we was just like, F this, let's just put it together. like. You know, and so um, the first thing we did was this was more of like a big picture thing, you know, and I'm starting to learn from being on this show with you how I do this a lot and I I don't even notice what I'm doing it. So, like, so I was like, you know, just making this big picture up. So um, we had the State Farm uh, uh, campaign with MTV. It was like an integration with State Farm Insurance and it was with um, like F1 race car drivers. 
And so we were going to get with a race car driver and film this stuff and, with him in the race car, this dude from London. And um, I knew Snoop was really in the race cars. And uh, so I was like. He is. He, I thought he was the only black man on this planet that got into race cars until I, until I heard about Bubba. Yeah, him and my dad were, my dad was a big race car. Really? He was big in the Indy, all that stuff. He used to go. So he used to go to the Indy. Um, and he always wanted to take me, but I never went. But um, so anyway, like there was this this ad thing, you know, that I shot with MTV for State Farm. And I was like, I kept in touch with the manager for the Indy car racer. And I was like, yo, I want to do something with y'all. We ended up getting drunk at the end of the night of that shoot. We went crazy. And then, so this is the craziest story ever. So like, we were like, we was like, we was at the hotel. And then we went out to some spot and just started drinking. Me, the IndyCar racer and the manager. Wow. And I think he had like got with some woman and this and that. And then we ended up singing really good friends by Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder on karaoke. <laughs> I can't even imagine that. He do every word. He do every word. Y'all didn't have to read the words. Nah, we do all the words. Wow. And so we it wasn't even a real karaoke. We just played it on the jukebox. And so we was just going in singing really good friends. Nobody knows this song. <laughs> so like, so we was just singing this stupid song. Nah, that song was cold though. And then uh it was on the bad on the bad album. Remember this song? Just good friends. Like, it, was, it was like this real You got the grunt in your voice and everything. Not, yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't I don't think I, I don't think but anyway, I like, let me get back to the story. So we seen this song and we had the time of our lives. I ended up puking. I almost didn't make the flight. And I'm on MTV's, like, I was working, you know, working, working. And so uh, we kept in touch. And I was like, yo, I got this dude's number. We should hit him up to do some filming with him. Because I told him, I was like, yo, I think we just want to film y'all. Like, we want to film uh, him, like, driving an Indy car down in Indiana or wherever, just training. And he was like, yeah, I'm totally down. I'm totally down. And they seen, you know, he was, they were like, yo, can y'all come down to Kansas City? And we had just got these cameras that I think I got the money from Fuse or whatever. Fuse, yeah. And we flew down to Kansas on our own dime, shot this piece with him. And it was dope. It was super dope. And um, then we started showing that to people. And that's how we came up with Holland West. We were like, yo, we do work like this. And um, next thing you know, yeah, we started the company. Our first gig was with through Fuse, uh, through the cameras that we bought uh, with credit and through like, you know, all the money I saved from uh, working there as a, an employee mm. and being a vendor. And uh, yeah, it was our vendor, but our first budget as a, as a company. And um, yeah, we used that money to pay back for the cameras. Mm. And we did All Star down in New Orleans. And that started that company. And after then, you know, my whole focus was 
our experience with Harlem Heights was so weird, you know, just because there was a lot of turmoil and things going down at BET and we didn't get renewed for another season because of like money and weird stuff. And I was like, I'm over this TV stuff. Everybody said like, oh, Kurt, you should have just kept making TV shows. And I was like, nah, I need Because I always that. wondered what happened to like a second season. Oh, uh, that's a whole different, I, that's a whole different story. Okay. Part two, that, that'll be in the second, that'll be, that'll that'll be, be part, part two. two. That'll be part two. Okay. Yeah, I'll air out BET, but. <laughs> but um, as far as, um, yeah, my thing, my whole focus changed. You know, it was like, man, I don't want to go through politics with like networks anymore. I want to make fast money. Um, we can do branded content. We can do commercials. And I was like, you know, and Snoop has that background in making promos at HBO. Um, so, you know, that whole thing that we did for, you know, that thing, uh, that job I worked with the MTV with the State Farm and the, the Indy Car Racer, then we ended up making our own thing, which was like a promo just for him as a car racer. I was like, yeah, that's kind of like our template for what we can do for other brands. Mm and you know stars out there and stuff like that and so that was kind of like what started holland west as a company mm. so we started um yeah we we're saying like yeah we can do that branded content we can do commercials you know this is what we want to do and i knew it was like a faster turnaround mm -hmm. you know you know a brand is like you know here's the brand here's the celebrity put it together make a video that's it, you know, and I was like, you know, I like that. And so that's how we started Holland West. And it was mm. basically built off of brand partnerships and, and like commercials and stuff. And what I'm impressed about is going back to your experience with Fuse, you know, you went to Fuse and to, um, you know, just get some money in your pocket and things like that. But the part that I am very impressed about that sticks out to me is that some people might have chose to go your route working for Fuse or whatever, and just to say, all right, well, let me just make some money to pay some bills, make sure that I have some food, save some money. But again, going back to that big picture, you use that money to reinvest into your big picture. Mm -hmm. Had you not done that, either you may, I feel, in my opinion, I feel like either you may not have had your company right now, or what might have taken longer to have your company yeah. because what I'm hearing is the first thought was I'm going to invest in this equipment for my company. And when you got it, you was prepared for the next thing already because you had this opportunity with the NASCAR person. And when that opportunity came about, you already had that equipment. So I think about the story of Noah, Right. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to preach or, or whatever, but I'm just giving an example. The story of Noah, where God told him to build an ark, you know, for a storm. There was no storm. There was no anything, but he built an ark. And so he f obeyed God's command and built it. And everyone around him thought he was crazy until that storm came. He was already prepared. Had he not obeyed God out of faith, um, he would have not built that ark and he would have been flooded. But you built your ark before that big picture came into manifestation. Mm -hmm. And when that opportunity came up, 
you was all set and ready to go. So I'm really inspired by that. I'm inspired, you know, I'm inspired. Hopefully my listeners are inspired that if you have a big picture in mind, if you have a goal in mind or whatever, be prepared for anything, whether, whatever that looks like, whatever you're invested in, whether it is some kind of equipment or some kind of professional development in something, whatever, what your, what you think your path may be, be prepared for anything because you never know when that open door is going to come. So I wanted to point that out, man. And that's just one of many inspirations uh, that I've gotten from you. Um, So you was talking about celebrities. And one thing I also admired about you, Kurt, is all the times that I would come to New York, you know, you MTV or whatever you were doing. And I've come across some celebrities through hanging with you. And I was always impressed how humble you were. You never really acted like you was above anyone, like because you hung out with celebrities. Celebrities knew you by first name. I remember there were times when I come to New York, man, and I would land and I'd text you like, yo, Kurt, I landed. And you're like, yo, I got this concert, got this party. Come on, let's go. <laughs> so as soon as I get off the plane, I got my luggage. I'm going to MTV Studios. You put my luggage at your desk and we go to some party and one party we went, no, it was a concert. It was Pharrell. And I think it was Pharrell, a Pharrell concert. And we were at the gate or whatever. And I saw Lala Vasquez and went up there. She was doing TRL at the time. And you know, she looked at me like, okay, I don't know who you are, but then looked at you and like, Hey Kurt, how you doing? I'm like, man, Lala, know you by first name? I also think about, (laughs) um, remember, yeah, there was a time I landed. It was another time I went to New York. And we're going to kick it at this party, but then you wanted to work out. So I got on, like, all my fresh gear going straight to New York. I'm ready to kick it as soon as I get off the plane. And this dude talking about, all right, let's go work out. All right, whatever. So I go to MTV, put my luggage at your desk. I got no workout clothes. I think I'm borrowing your workout clothes. Some of your stuff is too small. Some of the stuff is too big. Whatever. We working out. We sweaty. So instead of us taking a shower to go to the club, we over here spraying some cologne, and we go to the club afterwards. No no shower, no nothing. We just gone and kick it. So crazy. I, 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 some good, <laughs> some good times, man. Hey, but oh, yeah, I that Lala thing with the Pharrell. Huh? I'm trying to think of what Pharrell concert that was. It was, uh, it was real small. It was a small concert and Jay-Z showed up. Like it was just a so weird cat. He just showed up for one verse and he just walked off the stage. That's crazy. It was, um, I think Marlon was there too. Really? That was for your birthday. No, no. That was around your birthday week when all of us came down for your birthday. Yeah, that was a cold concert. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Like, and Jay-Z was big then. And um Pharrell was performing fronting. And mm-hmm. when the Jay-Z verse came, he just showed up and did his verse and just walked off the stage. And I remember, I remember now. before to... we got there, it was Lala Vasquez. That say, hey, Kurt, and then just walked you in. I'm like, man, but <laughs> it's crazy, man. But what always impressed me is that it never, that never got to your head. 
And I got a sense is because probably because that's a way you have to be is not be high minded or whatever around celebrities. But I was always impressed. Like when you come back home to Chicago and hang with your peoples, man, it's like you just so like down to earth. You never, that stuff like never, never got to your head, man, that you would come out here and then, you know, you would just kick it with us, man. I mean, you never got Hollywood on us or nothing and, and you still don't, but all while it's like your day-to-day -day job is hanging with your, you know, your big time celebrities and now politicians and stuff like that. So I was always impressed by that, man. Man, it's just, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just, we all human. Everybody's human. Everybody's, you know, Everybody eats shits, you know, <laughs> just do the same stuff. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, some people may have enough, you know, more money or more celebrity or something like that, but they're still breathing and eating the same food you do. So it's just like, um, I think that's one thing we kind of learned at MTV, like not to freak out on celebrities. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they teach you. Like, that was the big thing. Like, as soon as you get your internship there or something like that, they were like, do not, like, you know, pull them aside and start talking to them. Or get an autograph. Don't, don't, don't go crazy. Anything. If y'all act up, you're just going to get put out. So now if I see a celebrity or if I'm in a place where celebrities would be, I don't even acknowledge them. I probably, and it's, it's like, it's just like a, I don't know. It's like a, in my nervous system or whatever. It's like I know not to even approach him or whatever, unless I know him. Right. Unless you're my boy, you you my homie. Like Lala, I had worked with her for years on um, Direct Effect. So like um, we did that show together, and you know I've seen her every day. You know, dressed up, dressed down. You know, going through things, whatever. She so she mm -hmm. was. And to this day, she. If I see her now, she she cool, you know. It ain't like no like, or it's weird because like sometimes you'll see a celebrity that you know, and you'll try to go up to him, and then all these people are like, and I'm just like, I'll look at him and be like, yo, that's what's up, man. <laughs> and then, yeah. You know, so it's just like people are people, no matter who you put around them or what what status or titles you put around them, they're just. There's just people at the end of the day, no matter how big or how small you are. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah I never, um, I think it was between like, yeah, MTV with that whole thing and just being like, yeah, I'm just not phased by any of this stuff. I don't care. Yeah. I think one of the celebrities that I met, my first time I went to New York at the CMJ Music Fest. Because at the time I, I aspired to get into the entertainment business. Common was a cool dude. I, I never, like, I don't know him personally or anything, but just my short interactions with him through the, you know, music conference. And then I think I ran into him at uh, CBGB's and he was just sitting at a table and I just struck up a conversation with him. He was real cool. And uh, he was real cool, man. He, he was, he was real cool. I got like some kind of weird. Okay. I got it off now. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, man, I was, I was always, always impressed by that, man. So another thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, again, to my listeners, me and Kurt go way, 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 way back. His family is like my family. 
and you know there was you know situation where your dad passed away mm-hmm. which you know was a unexpected situation and i know there was a time where you know your mom wasn't feeling well and you know while you're in new york and i know there were times where you thought about coming back to chicago mm-hmm. But what kept you going, staying in New York and just to keep it going? Like what 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 kept you there? You know, what's crazy is um I actually tried to move back to Chicago a couple times. Mm. You know, one time I was offered a you know, I was offered a job, but it wouldn't pay that much. <clears throat> it wouldn't pay that much. So I was like, mm, I don't know if that's worth it. Um, the second time I tried to come, uh, and work in advertising in New York, in in Chicago. And, um, you know, um, shout out to some people like Arlene Peterson who lived here. Shout out to Arlene. What up? Arlene was cool, man. She was like, and I told her, I was like, yo, I'm trying to get out here. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to like do things. And she would definitely you know, put me in the position with other, you know, folks that work in advertising out here, which was like super dope because the advertising world in Chicago is a very rich history. I mean, it's a very like, you know, formidable thing, but it's very hard to break into. And I wasn't getting no play no whatsoever. And I was like, man, I'm doing like pretty cool stuff in New York. But I was like, man, they didn't even give me the time of day out here. So I was like, I don't think I can make it out here. I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, it, it sucked because I was like, this is where I'm from. You know, I'm I'm born and raised here. I, I do the work, but I can't break back into Chicago. And that, that hurt. That really hurt. And so I was like, whatever. I'm going to just go doubly as hard in New York or L.A. or wherever I'm at. You know, I'm just going to just keep going. And maybe one day I can come back. You know, um, and it's it, that was weird. I don't even know what the whole thing with that was because there are a lot of transplants in the black advertising world from like other places other than Chicago. You know, there's people that come from Atlanta or whatever, but I just wasn't getting that break. And I was like, this sucks. So um, as much as I love the city, you know, I just didn't get that love back you know, professional wise. And, um, there are some companies like, um, Com- well, common ground is now 1035. Um, I worked with them a lot and, um, they definitely showed love while I was in New York and they're from Chicago. Um, shout out to Jennifer Bluford too. Um, so that's kind of been my only connection back to Chicago basically. Um, but, um, yeah, so back to what you were saying was like, I knew just being here and living here. Yeah, it was it'll be great, you know, being here to support with my family and everything. But I knew I'm supposed to I'm supposed to produce. I'm supposed to make stuff, and um, my markets are haven't been welcome in Chicago. So um, yeah, New York and LA have been those markets that have welcomed me. So yeah, that that's, that's all it is. I don't even have anything else to say about it. It's just like, 
these are the places that want to do business with me. Family is a top priority. We get mm-hmm. it. Uh, but at the same time, you knew at the end of the day, we held it down for you here in Chicago. Yeah, y'all did. Your, 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 your sister held it down. I held it down. And, and, and your folks out here in Chicago held it down, man. Like I said, like your mom's, your mom's is like my mom's, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we held it down for you. What made you and Candace move to LA? Um, LA, I was always very scared of LA. I don't know why. I just thought like I just don't fit in. I ain't flashy. Was, was scared like NWA scared of LA? Like, no, nah, not like drive bys or something. Or? No, I live in Chicago, New York. So, like, well, yeah, good point. Great, great point. Great point. Whatever. That, that, that <laughs> killed that assumption since you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, the gangster stuff. Like whatever. But uh, as far as um, LA, I was I was definitely scared of the industry out here, out, out there. I was like, you know, I wasn't in scripted, um, which I was, you know, super like intimidated by. And I was just like, I don't even know how to get in the scripted. I didn't go to film school. I was like, I just don't fit in. You know, our first year in LA, I was just like, I was telling Candace, I was like, this is going to be a trial year. We're not going to. You know, if this doesn't work out, we going back to New York or wherever, Chicago, something, because like this ain't my market. Um, but I did feel, and Candace was just like saying, like, "Hey, you know, the weather's better. We could get more land, we get more space, and stuff like that, and it'll just be something different." And um, I, I ended up liking it. Chicago would always be home, but definitely. You know, I'm definitely going to be bi-coastal, if anything. <laughs> Ironically, L.A. is my hometown. So, mm-hmm. And I'm out here in Chicago. <laughs> Has that network expanded out there in L.A.? Yeah, that was the cool thing. It's like I, you know, I kind of said effort after a while. It's like I'm going to just be myself, and I'm going to be owner, co-owner of Holland West. And we do a lot of, you know, branded content and commercials and this and that. And we're going to still do our thing. You know, this is what I do. You know, I don't do a lot of scripting, but I do want to get into it. Um, And I got into it, you know, so um, I started seeing who was fake and who was real. And knowing a lot of my friends who came from New York or came from MTV, and they're out there and like latching on with them. And I met some, you know, others along the way, um, mostly people who are from LA uh, or from California are cool. Some of the transplants aren't so cool. Mm, that's uh, interesting. I always thought it was the other way around. Yeah, the transplants are on some other stuff, but some of the transplants who've been there for a long time are actually cool. Mm. So, but the new ones get in there and yeah, it's just this weird thing. Yeah, I can break down LA in a whole different episode. Part but two. um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> LA's got a lot of different layers. But um getting to um know who I was there and like not getting phased by like what I think I should be, um, uh, that kind of grounded me and made let me grow. Cause I was like, I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, you know, and y'all are, you know. Y'all can keep chasing after the next movie or something like that. But I got this steady thing going on where we have these clients 
at all these different companies and we started picking up different companies out there like as far as like netflix and mm-hmm. uh, Redbox. well Redbox was out of chicago um but netflix was one of our big clients and still yeah you did that uh beyonce thing right yeah it was just i it was a promo for that shout out to marissa calhoun who like believed in us to do that and then we um we worked with four different black colleges uh, across the country to um, do this like mega premiere virtually and make this promo in 24 hours with that. Um, it was, that was pretty cool. This is what was coming out like right before the film dropped at midnight. Gotcha. All right. All right, let's go ahead and play that. More than anything, it uplifted HBCUs and empowered HBCUs. I feel like it's just like a sacred moment for all of us who are educated and who have been educated at these prestigious institutions to come back and just like celebrate. You know, I'm here to support Beyonce. Who doesn't love Beyonce? I love you. <laughs> More than myself. <laughs> you still. That's good, man. Yeah. Hey, man. That's for Nicole. That's for Nicole. Definitely for Nicole. Look how far I got. Well, it wasn't that much in there. You took a few baby sips. I mean, dog, like this here. That's all you? This is, well, not tonight. That was the case. I'd be in the hospital. But um, I think it was like right. This all me tonight. Oh, that was filled up. Man, I didn't know a man can get drunk off of Aunt Jemima. Let me. uh, All right, you keep fucking this up. You talking about 46? I'm at 100. Like, come on, man. Good stuff, man. This is our um, trailer for Four Seasons, our film about love, marriage, new marriage, new, just new everything. It's kind of like um, telling of, you know, some of me and the writer's experience, Nia Fairweather and um, our friend's experience uh, shot in our, my apartment, in, me and Candace's first apartment in LA. Mm. And, um, it stars some really cool people like Jay Ivey, um, Keir Theris, who was from Chicago. Steve Wallace did the music, the, the mm. composing of all the music. Um, Candace's mom is in it, and mm. our niece is in it. So, um, wow. Yeah, like a lot of good friends. My One of my best friends, uh, Chris Valona, he DP'd it. Um, Alex edited it um who's been working with me for for forever for over a decade so it was just a good film that was um it was in pan-african film festival in la 
we had a big premiere out there on the big screen. Um, we had, um, we won the audience appreciation award for Chicago Southland International Film Festival. And now we're in the diversity in Cannes Film Festival out of France mm. uh, with uh, Viola Davis, who's kind of heading that up. Mm. So, and we're, this is what the future of Holland West is. So this is mm. our first, like one of our first like breakout scripted films. It's a so short. Is this, so, so is this a film that's out now or it hasn't come out yet? It's only in festivals. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and watch it. Mm -hmm. I want to build something special with you. Something unbreakable. So I don't tell you much, but okay. <laughs> There's a lot going on in there. It has a lot to do with um, new love, marriage, friends. Um, yeah, it's pretty mm. cool. Yeah, okay. something that you definitely should watch with the your loved one, the wife, or by yourself, or you know, if you're thinking of getting into something. Tell everyone how they can link up with you and your work and your upcoming projects and things like that. Yeah, you can link up with me on Holland, hollandwestproductions.com or um, Kurtwork, K-U-R-T-W-U-R-K on Gmail or um, Holland West Productions on Gmail, and Kurtwork on Twitter, uh, Kurt Williamson on Facebook, but mostly like Kurtwork on uh, Instagram, K-U-R-T-W-U-R-K. And for those of you that did not write that down on a piece of paper and a pen, which more than likely I know that you have not, uh, all of these links that we're talking about is going to be in the description of this video. So don't worry about it. I got y'all hooked up. And my whole entire notebook just fell off of my desk and on the floor. So that is my cue to let me know, to just wrap this up. Kurt, man, once again, thank you for joining in in this show. Thank you for your support. And everything that I said is genuine. I know that we don't really, you know, talk about admiration for one another on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, maybe that's, maybe that's not a guy thing or whatever, but this is that platform where I have that opportunity to let you know uh, how much I have lived vicariously through you. You're a brother from another mother. I love your family, man. Congratulations in advance to, uh, to your new son. And I am claiming this in advance. I'm decreeing this in the name of Jesus. Then I'm gonna have a part two with my man, Kurt, with my man, Snoop, Dave, and the rest of his camp. I'm, I'm claiming it right now. You you're hearing it right now. That'd be fire. <laughs> It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Fire. So, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna let you do your thing to make sure the wifey and your baby gets fed, but thank you once again. Shout out to my man, Kurt. All right. I want to say that I am overjoyed for you to get back into like what you really are into and 
that is a, a testimony and a, a whole like, you know, that's that's a declaration in itself, you know, for you to do that. And I think um, it will increase tenfold within you and your family. And I, I think they'll see the joy in what you're doing and appreciate it. And the rest of the world will too. I appreciate that, man. You know, as it stands right now, I'm just doing this just out of just really the satisfaction that hopefully that myself and my guests can be a testimony to other people that may be in those crossroads where they're in this box, but they know there's something else and something greater, but they have this fear to get out of their comfort zone. And then if I can just reach out to one person, man, I'm satisfied. I'm just doing this out of, you know, just passion out of my heart. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how many listeners I'm gonna have, but I'm just glad that I'm just doing it, man. And, and hopefully that I can at least just at least reach one person out of this. So again, Kurt, we're like probably like three, four minutes and I'm spitting all over the place. Uh, past y'all's dinner time. Hey man, appreciate you again, brother. And, uh, we look forward to part two. All right. Hey y'all. Thanks for listening. Y'all make sure that y'all subscribe. Make sure you, if you like what you hear, if you like what you saw, hit the like button, hit the notification. Peace out y'all. If you like what you saw, hit the thumbs up for more videos, hit the subscription as well as a notification. But most importantly, thank you for watching.